Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. It's June 25th, and that means it's exactly six months from January 25th. What does that have to do with anything? Well, it means we think it's time for... A Blast from the Past. That's right, we're taking out a Peoncast show from our archives that you have never heard before. Recorded exactly one year and six months ago today. Going out to everyone who sometimes wanted to be a Weasley but especially as a gift for Kayla, from all of us here at WPFW on her half-birthday. Half-birthdays count just as much, right? So what did you guys think about this? I liked it. I thought, overall... That's cute. It was the best synopsis of the entire series I've ever read. (laughs) (laughs) Really, Uh like, if you wanted the five-minute Reader's Digest version of Harry Potter, you need to read this, because it's great. Right. I got a little confused at one point, though. Yeah. Hi there. Okay. Hi. Hi, Kayvon. Kelly doesn't have any power, so she won't be here. Oh. Okay. She... Last week it was you, this week it's her? Yeah, next week it's going to be Trisha. We've already decided. It's coming down the line. I go, it's going to be me, Heather, now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, yay! <laughs> Did I get it in? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Can you yeah, tell we've still what got you our sports in the background, even without Kelly. Even so without Kelly. Good. Oh, and just because, and I know this will come out like in six months, but happy birthday, Kayla. Even though you're not here, we miss you. Happy birthday. Welcome back what to Beyond Cat. <laughs> you guys get to fight it out. It goes Sue, and then me, and then you guys. Yeah, because you're the We'll never get introduced then. How can we do that? I don't know. Flip the coin. Do it quick, peons. Trisha, you go first. I'll be last. All right. Because what? We're all Hufflepuffs, so nobody wants to go first. You gotta love it. (laughs) I explained why I was a Hufflepuff. It's my one friend. It was very, very traumatic. Aw. She's like, you're not a Hufflepuff. I'm like, I'm so a Hufflepuff. You are a Hufflepuff. I had somebody send me the reason the Hufflepuffs are Hufflepuffs. I've been a Slitherpuff this week. In fact, I made people mad last night. Which was odd, but whatever. I'm so proud of you. You would have been a, proud of me. Yeah. I'm occasionally a Huffleclaw. If I was actually sorted at 11, I probably would have been a Ravenclaw. But now, I'm more of a Hufflepuff. Well, we're glad to have you, Scott. Hey, we're an entirely Hufflepuff podcast this time. Yes. I saw your comment about no longer being head of the Greenies, and all I saw was head of, and I was like, why am I no longer head of Hufflepuff? What did I do? And then I saw Greenies, like, oh, okay. I was like, I just got pulled over. I'm no longer head of the house. What a horrible, awful day. I'm sorry. I did not mean to traumatize you. Are we ready? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You know, Ryan is sitting there laughing his head off listening to all of us, right? Oh, no. He's in bed, the old man. He went to bed. He's asleep. He's got eight minutes. Oh, does he go to bed, like, right at 10 o'clock? He told me he was going to bed at 10. I think he said 10. I don't remember now. (laughs) He's not listening to us anyhow. No, he's not. Probably not. <laughs> okay, now you've got me off track. And welcome back to Potterfic Weeklies. That's not right. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. Here's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other one. It's coming soon. We're just taking over early.
fanfic. The Final Frontier. These are the ramblings of the PFW peons. Their continuing mission to explore strange new stories. To seek out new authors and unending tangents. To boldly review where no one has done before. Podcast. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. I'm Trisha. This is Oliver's gal. And today we are doing a story called But I Want to Be a Weasley by Dead Woodpecker. No! I want to be a Weasley! I want to be a Weasley! Or Ella, as her friends call her. She is also the author of Backwards with Purpose, which we covered earlier in the season. Yes. I don't know that. I can't remember right now, but I know I read it and I liked it. There you go. So basically, the family has been in Diagon Alley, and James heard people talking about Weasleys and how wonderful they were and how much of heroes they are, and he's decided that he wants to be a Weasley. And so mm-hmm. it starts off with Percy kind of bursting in through the kitchen door where Harry and Ginny are sitting and saying, something happened to James in Diagon Alley. They immediately assume he's hurt or something. Right. But no, that's not it. He's just asking questions yeah all sorts of questions apparently it's because everybody in his family is a weasley except him or at least all the kids anyway well except for his brother and his sister they they don't count of course not this is kid logic you realize this he has red hair therefore he should be a weasley right kid logic wins out i would have been right there i want to be a weasley i still want to be a weasley you know what? No, I just want a Weasley and a towel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyway, imagination back. But yes, actually, he speaks for them. He's saying, "Yes, I want to be a Weasley." Al and Lily want it too, and Al looks shocked. He says, "No, I don't." <laughs> Percy starts to explain it, and Harry hopes that he gets to the point soon, and he kind of stops, and he says, "Oh, by the way, Neville and Hannah say hello," and she and Ginny's like, "Tell me the story now." <laughs> get on with yes. it. Yes, get on with it. And James kind of jumps in and he says, "Everybody's talking about how famous and brave the Weasleys are, and they're all coming up to shake Percy's hand." And the lady gave us free ice cream. I was like, "What do you mean you got free ice cream? <laughs> when did you get free ice? Cream? Yeah. yeah, when you were with Uncle George." <laughs> Everybody was talking about Weasleys, and Fred was being annoying because he's a Weasley and James isn't, and Fred looks very smug. (laughs) And they're talking about all these things. This is when I got confused there for a second. (laughs) Because it's Fred the child, not Fred the twin. Yeah, I know. I instantly went Fred the twin, and I went... George's son, Fred. Yeah, it screwed me up. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I admit, I had to read it twice, too, to pick up on it. So go, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Percy tries to explain why he didn't correct the lady when she assumed James was also a Weasley, but James just keeps on going, and he wants Ginny to convince Harry, poor old dad, that he should change his name to Weasley instead of her changing her name to Potter, because Weasleys are just better. Yes. 
And I love Ginny's response. It's traditional for a witch to take the last name of a wizard when she marries him, James. I felt sorry for poor old dad. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) You could just see her just egging him on. So James does have red hair then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All those black hair and green eyes. Okay, he's the one that looks like Harry. Okay. So mom doesn't work, so he switches to Uncle Ron. Your dad's best mate, you convince him. But by now, Uncle Ron is laughing so hard he's crying. And I'm sure he's on the floor just giggling his head off. Yeah. Arthur is slamming his fist on the table. <laughs> Aunt Hermione has tears streaming down her cheeks, and even Uncle Percy is chuckling. Why is everyone laughing? <laughs> you just see him because he thinks they're all laughing at him. Poor kid, of he's course. just like, oh. Yeah. And they only laughed harder. Yeah. <laughs> so Ginny decides they'd better explain it to him. And Harry's not quite sure about this, but eventually it's time anyway, so they're going to tell him the story. They had decided when the kids were young that they wouldn't tell him the story until just before they went to school. And so they haven't told the kids about who Harry Potter really is. Yeah. Now it seems to be the time. And all the younger ones get ushered out, but who's Maggie? I, I think it's someone hmm. random. I think it's someone's kid. I think it was a fill-in. Because I have no idea who Oliver and Abby and Maddie and David Maddie and are. Someone has a question. So I think that there might be fill-in children for ones that we didn't know after the epilogue, but before the family tree came out. And I think that mm. these are from her universe with Backward with Purpose. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And George says that Fred can stay because the only reason he hadn't told Fred was because he knew he'd tell James, so he gets to stay. And both of them are going, awesome! (laughs) (laughs) High five! You could just see them lording over everybody. (laughs) Yeah, all the other younger cousins that have to leave. Mm -hmm. So they decided they're going to go outside and get comfortable. Oh, wait, I truly have to say that I enjoyed Molly's reaction because they thought she would take all the kids and she's like... I want to be here just as much as the rest of you. I'm not moving. <laughs> it's very uncharacteristic, but amusing. So I... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's also the one to go get the fire whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she knows you that you need off. it. And poor James isn't quite sure what's going to happen because he can tell that the adults have a secret. And it's a funny one, judging by all the laughter, but he's not really sure about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And Harry's still not sure that they should tell him. But Ginny says... I love Jenny. This is great. I know you're not, Jenny patted him on the arm. But with an opening like that, how could we not tell him? Unless you're willing to change your name to Weasley. (laughs) (laughs) And Ron snickers. (laughs) So Harry decides, all right, we're telling the story. And he starts off, but Ron stops him after five words or something. He's not going to do it enough justice. (laughs) Right. Actually, he starts off by asking James what he knows about the war. And James doesn't know much, just that there's an evil wizard named Lord Voldemort, and he was very powerful, and that all the Weasleys helped to stop him, and that the Chosen One was their friend. But he has no idea who the Chosen One is. No. And Fred says that the Chosen One died to save everyone else, and that's why Voldemort couldn't hurt anybody. Right. And Harry's absolutely flabbergasted, because they know that much, and yet they've never put together the Chosen One being Harry Potter. I guess nobody's said it to them or something. Mm -hmm. So they decide that they're going to start from the very beginning. And James is confused. What does this have to do with dad? And Hermione says, you'll see. I kind of like it. Everybody now starts getting somber about it. And they're like, okay, it's time to get serious. Right. Mm -hmm. 
There's still a little moment, though. Butting in. Yeah. I'll put a silencing charm on you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like our duct tape to keep Scott in the chat. In the chat, yeah. (laughs) Haven't needed it so far today. Knock on wood, people. I'm knocking on wood. Knocking (laughs) on wood. So that they start off by telling the story of Harry as a baby, and they probably died to protect him. It's just right. a baby and a, a baby. boy. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really Through this whole time. They just say the baby or the boy or whatever else, and they never actually use Harry's name. No. Yeah, and because we're so addicted and in love and fans, we know who they're talking about. But putting yourself into the perspective of James and being completely and utterly unknowing to the story it's just a person right now it's very generic Mm -hmm. the thing i don't know if i can understand is they have to be very very sheltered to not really know the story at all i mean anyone going around saying weasley and potter it's completely possible because look at how little ron and the weasleys actually knew about muggle society before they went to school like they knew enough they knew about all the muggle items that Arthur liked to bring in, but I think that they were very isolated at the borough. And when you have a family that big and now cousins, a whole bunch of them, you really need a whole bunch of friends outside when there's always someone to play with who just happens to be related to you. So I can understand them not knowing anything, and maybe they kept more towards the muggle side of things rather than the wizarding side of things for their protection. Sure. And it's also building on the wizard tendency to attach labels to things. Because they know about the chosen one, and they've probably heard of the boy who lived, or that the boy who lived was the chosen one. But nobody's said the name, because yeah. they all just go around talking about the chosen one, and the war, and the whatever else. I think they would have at least like a chocolate frog of Harry. <laughs> they probably do. Maybe he hides them or something. <laughs> At the same time, we can also assume that James is obviously not Hermione's child and might not be all that interested in (laughs) (laughs) looking up random information. I don't mean, like, incest or anything like that. Just, like, the fact that he's not prone to probably going to look up articles and reading books. I see him more as the jocular sort of person out on the pitch with his cousins playing Quidditch all day during the summer and being dragged into the house to do his primary schoolwork. So... He's not going to okay. go looking for information if it's not staring in the face. And they have actually decided that they don't want him to know this. So I imagine that they've done whatever they can to protect him from it. So probably any books or anything like that that would have that information are charmed so that he can't read it. The chocolate frog cards could be charmed so he can't see that particular one. I mean, I could see them working to make sure that he can't get this information because they wanted to keep it secret from him. Okay. They didn't want him to grow up under the... It's the same thing that Albus did to Harry. You are going to be a hero in our world. We're putting you with the muggles so you don't grow up underneath that. And I can see them wanting to shelter their children from the same thing. Okay. But anyway, and innocence there too. Like what they have stated that they know about the chosen one is very fairy tale. It's very neat and tied up with a little bow and very artificial. And to understand like the people involved, I think it takes a level of maturity and understanding that they wanted to keep from him. But I think also to realize that dad is dad. You know, dad's boring. Dad goes to work every day. 
the Weasleys, they're cool because they help. But dad's just mm-hmm. dad and mom's just mom. But she happened to be a Quidditch player. But dad's just dad. So I think they wanted to keep that versus dad being the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I repeated dad's just dad a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I apologize. That's okay. Oh, well. They go through the first book and they explain how they became friends. The first year was very difficult for the boy and for me and Aunt Hermione, he said. First, a gigantic troll was let into the castle. Me and the Chosen One had to save Aunt Hermione from it. And that is when we all became friends, actually. And, like, Fred goes, a troll? Does that happen a lot in Hogwarts? (laughs) (laughs) He's looking forward to it. (laughs) You can just see the kind of, like, little gleam in the eye. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, okay. And they keep butting in as they go. It's like, oh, and that's when he killed him? No. Okay, that's when he died. <laughs> no, that that wasn't it either. <laughs> it's, they don't realize how long of a story it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they go into the second bit. They tell the story of Quirrell and... They explain what possessing means. Mm-hmm. And that the Chosen One has thwarted him by getting the Sorcerer's Stone, keeping it away from him. And mm-hmm. it just keeps going on and on. And then it's like, okay, what happened next? And Ginny's like, I think I'll tell this bit. Uh, I kind of like when they go, Dobby came. And Fred's like, Dobby, isn't that the hell self buried at Uncle Bill's? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I'm like, was yeah, right then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the one, but he didn't die right then. Yeah, it didn't but. happen until later. So, you know, Dobby's been intercepting the mail and he didn't get any letters and he thought nobody liked him. And Fred and George and Ron went to save him. And they're like, how? Yeah, how old were they? They couldn't do magic. This is funny. Oh, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is one of those looking back, you can laugh. Right. Yeah. And she talks about the flying car and she says how my son stole it and flew to Ferry and back in one night. Of course, Fred and James are just elated by, by the, uh, don't get any ideas, you yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. Those were desperate times. Didn't stop her from punishing us then. <laughs> <laughs> and Ginny tells about how it was a rough year that she didn't have any friends, but she had an old diary that she wrote in, and something terrible began to happen, and there were times she couldn't remember what she was doing. And then somebody opened the Chamber of Secrets. And Fred's like, Chamber of Secrets? So they go on to explain the Chamber of Secrets and the basilisk, the giant snake that was in there. Fred's just horrified. And they can't believe the whole thing that anybody would kill somebody just because of blood status. Because, of course, they've been raised to not care about that and mm-hmm. realize it means nothing. But they explain, yeah, basically the entire thing was just all about that. And then uh, they all grew Polyjuice Potion, and they went to all those extremes to find out. Who had opened it, yeah. And I'm surprised they didn't say anything about being a cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Ron could have brought that up. Yeah. Oh, well. They were being Still serious at funny. this point, yes. I do like that Ginny was the one who commented about most of the plan for the Polyjuice Potion. The line... He, Uncle Ron, and Aunt Hermione devised a plan to find out who was opening the chamber, not knowing that it was er, sort of Voldemort. Like that line to a avid reader, it's just very telling, and it's, I think it's very cathartic for her to really talk about this and admit her involvement. Mm-hmm. And they have to tell them about that in more detail. 
the fact that she was actually having blackouts and her body anyway was opening the chamber all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, the- James' reaction to it is like, why didn't you tell someone? Why did you tell the boy it was happening? He could have saved you sooner. It was just cute. And she's like, I love the boy and I didn't want to put him in danger. She said quietly. James is like, oh, does dad know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I could just see a little lovely room just like shifting his eyes around looking at his dad and going is dad now? yeah kind of out of the corner of his mouth don't worry about it James dad knows <laughs> and they basically explain the end of Chamber and destroying the diary with the basilisk Bang. venom right. and introduce the sword and Hermione volunteers to tell third year because it won't take nearly as long as if any of the other ones tell them. Right. The boy began his third year with the information them, that the range murderer was out to get him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I was also having a time turner to help with homework. Right. And they're like, eh, Boring. <laughs> Boring, yeah. They're just bored with that part. <laughs> God, it's more Hermione dribble of school and learning and crap. Hopefully this doesn't take long. Right. Well, the summer before our third year, a man named Sirius Black, a man who had been sentenced to life in Azkaban for the murder of 13 people, escaped. The ministry had information that Sirius Black wanted to kill the boy. And James, Sirius Black? Sirius? My middle name? Hush, James. (laughs) I almost wonder how much fire whiskey was playing into that last comment. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fire whiskey flowing in this. But we find out he wasn't afraid because he felt safe at Hogwarts and then he found something to be even more afraid of. Dementors. I like that they acknowledged they'd already know about Dementors, so they don't have to go through and explain that because that's something they know about. Right. Yeah. I like they did bring Remus into the thing because, hello, MS Lupin. Oh my god, I just said it myself. I called myself MS Lupin. Brilliant! Would you like to do that line again? I promise not to cut it out. Yeah, you're not cutting it out at all, are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> usually Rebus is kind of forgotten a lot of times. It was kind of nice. The boy eventually learned how to combat them with the help of Teddy's dad. He was a professor at school that year. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of like, oh, good. He got mentioned. Yeah, Hermione is very delicate about saying that the boy did not have much regard for rules. And then Ron's like, he snuck out of school using the map. The Marauder's map? No way! And, like, that whole line took me back to Bill and Ted's excellent adventures. (laughs) (laughs) No way, dude! Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way! But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston! Who is Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? Let's reach out and touch someone. Them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent! Execute them! Bogus! <laughs> yeah, and Hermione wants to know how they know about the map, but they didn't find out from George. They found out from Fred's portrait. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't get mad at Fred's portrait. What can you do? He can be as obnoxious as he wants. I think he likes it that way. Oh, I'm sure. I like that they're ambitious enough that they're going to make one themselves in a few years.
I'm like, okay, the Marauders are coming back. All they need is Binaremus. Yep. And at that point, Hermione wants to bang her head on the table. But But she has a little fire whiskey instead. I love that. (laughs) And And that's when she talks about the boy overheard a conversation about Sirius Black from the teachers. And he found out that Sirius was a great friend of the parents and that the reason why he was a bad and horrible person was that he had told Voldemort where they were. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the boys are just absolutely horrified. A gog. They're yeah. simply a gog. And they want to know if a gog. There's a good word. Yeah. yeah. That's, that word is not used enough. That's true. <laughs> it is a good word. I think I was watching it's the Music fun. Man a little bit too much lately. <laughs> You've had a little then, too much fire whiskey and now you're a gog? Is that what you said? No, no, no. The, the, the music man. Roll with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. Little old ladies of the town. They're like, we're a gog. We're simply a gog. And I pulled that line out of there. Mm-hmm. Music man is fun. Yeah. Ball back. All right, anyhow. <laughs> yes. And then they summarize something like ten chapters in a single paragraph. Mm-hmm. But it's fabulous overall, and I think that's why Ella is great, is that she has done amazing things with getting all of the big points, but really condensing it down into a paragraph, which we love the books because they're so detailed, but when you're trying to explain to someone who has never read yeah. the story, especially when you're... Yeah, it's really succinct, especially when you're trying to take them to a midnight showing of one of the movies, and you're like, okay, so this is the whole story of all six books while we're going to the seventh movie in ten minutes. Ready? Go! (laughs) Yeah. There's also the point that they're talking to a pair of nine-year-olds at this point, so. Yeah, you have to kind of keep it simple. So they go through until they discover that Peter's alive, and actually he was the one to betray them all, and Fred's like, did you kill him? No. <laughs> yeah, and I like Hermione well, here because she's like, well, they wanted to. I wanted them to for that matter. I may not have watched, but I wasn't going to try and stop him. But the boy did. You have to understand, he didn't want anyone to die. He didn't forgive Pettigrew. And of course he hated him, but he wouldn't let his dad's two best friends become murderers. Right? Just, you know, for Hermione to say, oh, I wouldn't have watched, but I would have been right there rooting for him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. She's come a long way. Mm-hmm. But then they run into the time turner bit, and they're sort of going, okay, now how do we explain this? <laughs> it's all, George all very complicated. Apparently she told it to them at the time when they were leaving Grimmel Place to get Harry or something like that, or leaving mm-hmm. to go to Grimmel Place. And they were trying to tell it, and Ron kept getting confused or missing a bit or going back. And I can just see Ron trying to tell a story that way, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is he a very complicated story. Yeah. He was knocked out during the whole time turner bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. How did so you get trying there? to explain it. It's just that much more hilarious. So eventually, Hermione just says, She and the boy went back in time. He saved you all from the Dementors and helped Sirius escape in a hippogriff. And that was it. <laughs> oh, Molly. And you made Molly the mistake of telling you when Mom was in the room. <laughs> yeah. I might have reacted yeah, strongly. You could have died. You could have been seen. 
<laughs> yeah. And James is just jumping now. up and down at this point. Because the Chosen One was the coolest person ever. And Harry yeah. looks kind of... Uh, Better than a Weasley. Yep. <laughs> Harry looks kind of flattered, but of course James doesn't notice. Yeah. And then we go into year four, when things really start to spin out of control. Where Hogwarts holds the Triwizard Tournament and... A deranged follower of Lord Voldemort made sure that the boy was going to compete in it. Few people actually believed that he didn't enter himself. Me included, said Ron. So the boy had to battle dragons and rescue people from the bottom of the lake and find his way through a maze that held lots of scary stuff. And James is <sighs> agog again. Hmm. Yeah. And they talk about Answer. Yeah. That I like he that was Bill brings that in. Bobaton. That's how we that met. Like. I was there to cheer the boy on. Yeah. Bill, and you were like, checking out Fleur. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, wow, we never knew our aunt was so cool. But she does mention that she was older than him and was supposed to know more about this stuff. So yeah, I have to say, I like that they completely skipped over the Quidditch tournament because in the book, it sets up the rest of everything. It kind of pushes the plot in the direction that was needed to go to, to get to the end, to the Triwizard tournament, to get that sense of urgency and destruction. And so we and know that Harry's lost his wand and Crouch was yeah. sitting mm-hmm. invisible in a seat and things like that, but yeah, they're not bringing all that in. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's not something, needed. Yeah, and the thing is, if they really want to get involved in it, it's later on, they can ask more questions about This is pretty much, they're just giving them, because they're still nine years old. Right. Nine or ten. It's just, sometimes you don't need to give them all the gory details. And we were sitting in the box, and there was a guy behind us who was actually under an invisibility cloak, except we didn't know that for another six months, but then this happened, and then... Uh, that sounds like something Ron away. would say. <laughs> it sounds like a very Hermione thing to say. That too. Molly kind of stops them and says, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to hear the rest of this? Because there's a breaking point, and that's the perfect reason for the fourth book, is that it's kind of where you step past the point of no return. Like, yeah. If yeah, I this is when everybody stuff. starts dying. Yeah. And, like, I know for myself that I always have a hard time getting through that book. Mm-hmm. Not so much because I don't know what's going to happen, but because I don't want what's going to happen to happen. Because it really does change the entire atmosphere of everything. It becomes real, and it becomes life-threatening. Whereas you read the first three books, and it's very light-hearted, and it's still very bright, and there's still innocence there but you know it's the turning point of becoming a children's book until like becoming to an adult book or a young adult book yeah yeah Yeah. this is why there are so many fanfics where cedric trips over a rock or something and doesn't get shot Mm -hmm. because people wanted to take that back well if he doesn't touch the cup he won't turn into um edward so it's all good You are so lucky Kelly's not here to yell at you for that. I know. <laughs> that was for Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Molly's trying to ask them if they want to go on, but there really isn't a stopping point there. They've heard so much now that, of course, they want to hear the rest of it. But they are a little bit worried, and James wonders if this is when the Chosen One dies. Mm-hmm. But it's not him. It's a complete bystander. And so they explain that part. 
Yeah, yeah they explain how Cedric died, and it's kind of a cruel reality. It's like just like that, and it's just like that. Yeah, it's just. just I mean, that's reality. It can just happen like that. There sometimes things linger, and sometimes you're here one minute and you're gone the next. Yeah, and they explain how he gets his body back and how they fight. How they have the wizard's duel and Ron gulps fire whiskey and James and Fred yeah. just stare at him and he's like, sorry, but it's still hard to talk about. It's still hard to remember. And I think that almost drives it home even more than finding out about Cedric dying because mm. they really look up to him. They're more shocked by watching their uncle gulp the fire whiskey than they are by listening to the story. Mm-hmm. Did you love the boy too? Fred asked. We all did, Molly said quietly. And Arthur even, you know, everybody, very much. Just basically kind of like... (sighs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they talk about the magic core and what happened with the two wands. Priori and Cantatum. And then he gets to see his parents. And I like Fred. He's like, I hate that Voldemort guy. (laughs) I hate that guy. (laughs) Such a good thing. (laughs) I have to say, I like Hermione's line. It wasn't really his parents. Jane, nothing can reawaken the dead once they're gone. And it plays so much into the hallow. And it's a very good setup. So they find out that he made it back to school with Cedric's body. and They talk about how the papers started denouncing him all over the place. And nobody actually believed that Voldemort had come back. Percy has to have a bit of a hard moment there. One thing I do like, going back to like the fourth year things, they talk about the person who put the cup in the maze, who we know ended up being Barney Crouch. But it says that I think his body still resides in St. Mungo's after he was given a kiss. I like that that little bit just kind of tied things into a nice, neat little bow. And so I read it, I was like, huh, I wonder what did happen to him. Like, it's something you completely gloss over when reading, but then when you sit and think about all of those people, you do tend to wonder that she just happened. That one little comment just ended everything for that year, and they could move on to the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and where would they have put Barty Crouch Jr.? Would they have sent him to St. Mungo's, or would they have taken him to Azkaban and just kind of left him there? It's hard to know. He might be in the long-term care ward with Gilderoy and those. Yeah. I'd like, while telling the first story, like you were saying, Percy kind of swallows his bitter pill and explains why they were trying to discredit him. Mm-hmm. And he said, because I, too, did not believe. I was a foolish boy. I sided with the ministry, even when my own family immediately began preparing for the fight against Voldemort. And I think that was just his bitter pill, even though he did come over in the end. <laughs> Something and he regrets. I mean, we all have things that we regret, and I think that's a big thing that. Oh yeah, he it shows he the growth did. in his character that he wants to be the one to tell them that, and he probably says it every time that they explain this story. Yeah, yeah, that he had And then Hermione mentions the newspapers, and Fred is like, "Those maniacs." <laughs> I love I'm Fred's little Fred. comments. He's a is he is <laughs> He is the namesake. And then they talk about Umbridge, a really awful teacher who physically punished the boy and scarred him for life. And how they started Dumbledore's army, and the boy was the leader. And that being part of Dumbledore's army was actually a very wonderful part of being in Hogwarts. They came from different houses and different ages, but they were all united. That was the power of Harry right there. Mm -hmm. 
key united people. That's another thing on the themes of the whole series. It's the power of unity. Then Arthur talks about him being attacked. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that at this point they talk about how the boy has dreams that are um, sometimes true like that. But then later on, when they mention him having a vision, they're still surprised. Mm. I'm not sure why, but I guess it's not quite the same thing. I know this might sound weird, but I mean, there are times I've had really mundane dreams about random hallways and like looking at certain hallways, for example. And then like suddenly two years later, I'm looking at that hallway I dreamed about that they're just so odd. Maybe deja vu dreams are more common to wizards. And so they didn't think anything about that. But having a vision is more mm-hmm, special. Maybe. Specialer. More special. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Of course they're more special. They're wizards. <laughs> True. Yep. So they talk about how he learns about the prophecy and how he went there to try and save Sirius, who actually wasn't there until after he got there. Mm-hmm. I really like Hermione, uh, her little description of Sirius. The man that saved the boy when he was 13 had become a mixture of a father, brother, and friend. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? Yeah, that's what Sirius was. Oh, yeah. He wasn't quite any of them, but he was definitely a combination of all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Ginny says how they went with him to the ministry and James is like mom you went too and she said yeah I did and he's like wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was kind of like I mean perfect example I was um it sounds goofy but I was putting on makeup my son's seven years old and he looks at me he's like well he's trying to get me to hurry up so he can get on the bus and he's like why are you wearing makeup and I looked at him, I'm like, because it makes me feel pretty. It makes me look pretty. He looks at me and goes, well, you're just my mom. <laughs> and I just kind of like, hmm, thanks. <laughs> you don't need to be pretty. You're just my mom. Come on. Yeah. Get me on the bus. Just my mom. Yeah, it's like, come on, hurry up. My shoe's on, my coat's on. Let's but, go. Yeah, just like anything is like, my parents were both teachers. And growing up, I'm like, they're my parents. Yeah, they have jobs and all this other stuff. And back in that times, you don't go take your child to work day and stuff. It just took a while for me to realize your parents are more than just you. But at that age, they have no idea. Right. Heck, I'm still realizing that sometimes. Like, I'm having, in my 20s, it's hard for me to realize that my parents did things like going out and drinking and going to the bars. Because to me, my parents are my parents. So they don't do anything fun because... <laughs> They're adults, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, like, it's kind of surreal, I think, because they, they're always the big people. And mm-hmm. you don't think of them doing the stupid things you did, whether you were five or 25. Yeah. But they've done it all. One way or the other, they've done it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can never get away with anything. That's it. Because <laughs> they've already all done it. Yep. Yeah not gotten away with it either. Yeah. It's like a... Oh, what was it? It was an Archie comic, I think. And Archie was being... He had a a 11 o'clock curfew or something like that. And he was up in arms about how this was totally unreasonable. But then, while he's out of the room, his dad starts talking about how, when he was young, he broke his own curfew by climbing out the window 
and going down the tree. And Archie is listening to this and thinks, hey, that's a great idea. So he <laughs> pretends to be really tired and goes to bed, goes out the window and climbs down the tree. And when he gets back in, of course, it's raining. and He's not at all dressed for rain. And he struggles up the tree and he gets there and the window's locked. <laughs> because that's exactly what his grandpa did to his dad the first time he tried that. Nothing like spending the night in the tree in the rain. <laughs> We're way off course. Anyway, they have to explain what the Order of the Phoenix is, because Ron brings it up, and that hasn't been mentioned before. And they tell how Sirius was killed by a truly evil witch named Beldrix, who was probably the worst after Voldemort himself. And that after Sirius dies, the boy goes a little mental and chases after her. And that's when James is like, oh, no, is now when he dies? You know, he's going to be right one of these times. It's going to happen sooner or later. He finds out about the prophecy and they explain the basics of what that is. They don't go through the exact words, but they go, okay, so one of them had to kill the other one. And yep, that's right. Neither could live while the other survived. I love how he had to repeat it. Neither, Neither can live, live while, while the, the other survives. survives. What does that mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. And Fred's like, man, he couldn't catch a break, could he? <laughs> and then Hermione's like, well, the next year's not so bad. The boy fell in love. Oh, well, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about this love Such a little boy. Like, <laughs> Girls and cooties. Is this a kissing book? But before they have to do that, they have to talk about the snake. So, like, that's just like a... I could hear, like, the sound effect of screeching all... <laughs> Wait! There's snake! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Start out the romantic music and then stop. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's snake. <laughs> okay. So, there's this teacher. And he doesn't like him. And he doesn't like him either. So, we thought... Pretty much all the time that he was behind everything, only usually he wasn't. <laughs> oh, and there was also Draco Malfoy. Did someone say Draco Malfoy? Who they didn't mention earlier, but they didn't explain about, I guess. And he was a slimy git. Yeah, he's always a slimy git. It's very sad. It is wrong. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And Ron talks and about it poisoned. And I like mm-hmm. James. He kind of narrows his eyes and he's like thinking about it. He's like, okay, he saved mom and he saved granddad and he saved you. And he's like, wait a minute. Where were you when he was dying? You owed him. And he's almost in tears and he's feeling bad, but he's just like thinking about it. And I love he's mm-hmm. kind of gone through that whole process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I really of think. Of course, it just gets all of them line. because that's kind of what they felt at the time too. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't be there. So Harry's the one who has to break the silence and say, well, they were there for um, the boy every day, and that was enough for him. Because they never really explained the whole muggle thing. And, I mean, it's not through Harry Potter's point of view. It's just through all the Weasley's point of view. And it Mm -hmm. is probably kind of weird. You're not feeling the anguish as much, because you feel more anguish through the Harry Potter view than the Weasley's point of view. Right. Mm -hmm. I think Harry's line that they saved his life. They made him less lonely and refuge. And that one, like, made me cheer up the first time I read it. Because they're talking about the boy, but he's talking about himself. And I think that those three little sentences just say so much. Oh, yeah. About mm-hmm. all the angst and all of the pain and all of the happiness that he felt 
during those years. You know, he could have been completely See, he different. See, he wanted to be a Weasley, season. too. <laughs> he did want to be a Weasley. Everyone wants to be a Weasley. Yeah. Well, he was actually a Weasley. He was an honorary Weasley. there's another moment of kids sort of getting to the heart of everything because they say well he kept trying to do everything by himself because he wanted everybody else to be safe and he didn't want anyone to die because of him and he blamed himself for serious dying and james says well that was dumb (laughs) (laughs) it's not his fault it wasn't the boy's fault yeah that's what everybody else thought reaction well, true, but I also think James has more of a perspective from that black and white world that we have when we're kids, you know, mm-hmm. that evil is black, good is white, you know, there's right, there's wrong. When Lorraine's fifth and sixth book, we went to Shades of Grey. And, mm-hmm. and exactly. you know, there's a lot more emotion placed on all of these later events than there were necessarily at the age of nine. Like, because when you look at it with that perspective, whether very young or looking back with hindsight of 2020, it's black and white. But in a situation, it's just all muddled gray. Right. I was a little surprised. And right now, how they're trying to explain this, they're trying to explain it about the first reference. But, Mm -hmm. um, of course, they are important, so they kind of had to. I like how they started. The boy had a very busy year, Ron said. Not only did he suspect Malfoy and Snape of something bad and falling in love, but he was being taught more about Voldemort's past. He learned about the Horcruxes. Everyone exchanged darkly significant glances or looks. And then James was like, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, sorry. I have to get the significant glance. I'm sorry. Anytime I hear a significant look, I think of that darn story. Yep. And waiting for someone to do a memory charm. <laughs> Even in other fanfics, I hear a significant look. I think of that. In actual fiction, I've read of a significant yeah! look. Like, where's Colin with I'm the memory like, charm? I'm like, yes, where is the mem- Who did the memory charm? It's time for the memory charm. George, it was, Brennan, who asked. It was George and... Justin Finch-Fleshley. Justin. <laughs> yeah. So... I listened yeah. to the Napoleon Ron discussion on the Master Fit last night. So I listened to part of that whole thing. It was great. Mm. That's that so was fun. I like Napoleon. Oh, yeah, you did a very nice Napoleon. Are anyway, we talking yeah. about the little guy that tried to take over everything? The French guy? No. Or are we talking no, about Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite? We're talking Napoleon in the fic. Oh! In Gladys. Oh, 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 okay. The guy. Oh, I was thinking the male version of Tonks. Yeah, Yeah, basically, the male version of Tonks. Anyway, yes, Horcruxes, evil things, not Yes. Okay, sorry. (laughs) No significant glances there. So they explain about them and how they're made and that Dumbledore was hunting them all down and that... The diary was a Horcrux. Right, and that most wizards would do anything they could to keep their Horcruxes safe, to keep them from falling into the hands of someone that might destroy them. So the fact that Voldemort had used one of his as a diary like that as a weapon to purposely give to someone else is what tipped Dumbledore off to the fact that he must have more than one. Mm-hmm. I think that was, a, it, I mean, again, a very 
good short explanation of mm-hmm. that entire plot line. Because really, it was kind of confusing. Not as confusing as The Hollows, but, <laughs> you know, it spans two books. It's kind of a little yeah. bit sometimes jumbled just by the sheer fact of their desperate need to find them. Right. Yes. This is why the Potter musical put them all in Hogwarts. Yes. Yeah. The medallion says that it's in one convenient place. Get this, Hogwarts. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I love Hogwarts. What's even better, it's in Dumbledore's office. Oh, picture. <laughs> anyway. But wait, this line is another one of the touching kid lines. He was very brave, Fred said, but I wouldn't want to be the chosen one for all the money in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, they wouldn't have minded being his friend. But it's going to make finding out who the chosen one is all that more poignant. Mm-hmm. when it gets there. I like Ron's explanation about Professor Snape. It's very succinct. It's just good. Mm-hmm. And then going and finding the Horcrux and Dumbledore and stuff like that. Right. And how he gets killed. And they explain that the boy couldn't do anything because he was standing there petrified the whole time. Mm-hmm. But But he saved everyone else. Why didn't he do anything? And that's mm-hmm. when they explain it, yeah. Because really, that is the way you look at stories like this. He's supposed to be the hero who saves everybody. And obviously, he's saved five people already, so we should save all the rest of them. But I think that was a lot of our reaction as a fandom after the sixth book. It was like, he's Harry Potter. Why couldn't he save Dumbledore? And it's, it's a part you know of what? That was... hero journey, you know, mm-hmm. that he has to do it alone. Right. Yeah. Honestly, after the six books, I honestly thought Harry was just going to die. It was going to be a tragedy and not a typical hero's ending where Harry saves the day. Honestly, I just thought Harry was going to die. Dead is dead, and that's it. I mean, I, I honestly that, felt it. It definitely crossed my mind at some point that all bets were off on that And Dobby. I know. I think I cried the Remus. worst now. <laughs> Shh, don't say that. Oh, okay. Sorry. I know. I gotta get a Remus tattoo now. I got my Snape tattooed, and I gotta get my Remus one. <sighs> okay. I still like, they mentioned that after this happened, he decided he wasn't going back to school. He was going to keep hunting these Horcruxes, and Molly pipes up and says, I was not pleased by that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Molly it's says dryly. Kind of, can you just see like Hermione and Ron and Harry just kind of like kind of shrinking down in their seats a little like, sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. They probably told her like last thing and she's wondering why they aren't packing their trunk properly and they're going to leave in 15 minutes and it's, oh, by the way, we aren't going to school. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, well, James finally figures it out. You and Uncle Ron are the real heroes. I had no idea you did all this stuff. And Ginny's like, that's why we kept it from you. <laughs> and you are not to tell your brother or sister or any of your cousins. And James is like, no, I won't. They're too They're little. They're too little. They wouldn't understand. <laughs> They'd be scared. They'd be scared. <laughs> yep. And they're probably like one, maybe two years younger than them. But they're too little. They're different to a little kid. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I like that they said that they go to Grim Old Place. They don't call it that, but they go to the house Sirius left the boy because no one knew where to find them except for possibly Snape. And James is like, the guy who killed Dumbledore? Why would he turn up at Sirius's house? Did they know each other? And Ron's like, oops, I forgot to mention that Snape was a member of the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> and does a yeah. priest tap dance around the Fidelius charm and secret keepers? And- mm-hmm. Yeah. And George says, hey, you have to mention my ear. Yeah. Which, of course, Fred is riveted on. (laughs) Did you lose your ear? (laughs) That's exciting. You don't see more, but excited. They talk about the impersonating the boy and the seven potters. Oh, but we can't say that. They don't mention Potter. They don't mention that. Flying all over the place. And lost this. George's ear getting cut Snape. off. I didn't remember it was Snape that did that, but... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't it was aiming for him. He was aiming at somebody else, and he missed and cut George's ear. He was aiming at Remus. No, I think he was aiming at one of the Death Eaters or I something. I think he was aiming at one of the Death Eaters, too. Mm. Yeah. And they swerved or something. Or someone hit him or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. And anyway, Molly, um, you just see Molly doing this. So just so quietly, what you have to understand. Hey, look, Molly's Kelly. What you have to understand about the boy, Molly said quietly, is that he wanted to leave the moment he arrived. He wanted to protect us. I think he felt like it was bad luck for us to have him there and to care for him. He loved us, you see, and he didn't want to place us in danger. So, yeah, that's just it's so touching. And he wasn't quite ready to accept that Uncle Ron and Aunt Hermione were going with him. <laughs> it's fun. It's it makes sense, and it just sort of adds to the tone of the thing that they always refer to each other as aunt and uncle, whoever, or um, Arthur and Molly, or grandpa and grandma, and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Because that's what you tend to do when you're talking to kids: is you refer to them by whatever name they would use. Right. And once again, he must have been very lonely. They're picking this up really fast. These kids. They're real smart. Yeah, they're smart kids. Not the. Bookish types, perhaps, but they're smart kids. Mm-hmm. And they try to decide whether they should mention the Hallows or not. And James picks up on that being from one of those nursery stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they say, yeah, actually, those were all real. And Fred was aghast. <laughs> <laughs> Voldemort has the Elder Wand? The real Elder Wand? Yeah, isn't that a terrible mm. thought? I like that... Um, Yes, the boy already had the cloak since it had been his father's. He'd had it since first year, and James is like, oh, like Dad's cloak? And he doesn't realize that it's exactly the same one. Right. <laughs> this is like, yet. okay, where is the other light bulb going to come off? It'll come on. We're getting close to the switch. They talk about going into the ministry and how they almost get caught because the boy was concerned about the Muggleborns and how they had to get out of Grimald Place because it was no longer safe and that they began camping. camping. They did that for months and months. And you just see it. Months and months and months. <laughs> they were probably so I have tired to say, of camping. definitely read a fic somewhere where the kids want to go camping and it's like Ron and Hermione's kids are like, no. We'll do anything but go camping. 
<laughs> no camping. Oh boy, I can see that. I really like how Ron. I mean, he really, you know, he doesn't want to tell him about his his traitorism mm-hmm. in a way. And it, it's kind of glossed over. And what's kind of nice is that, I mean, Hermione and pretty much really no one knows except for Ron, Hermione, and Bill. Mm-hmm. And probably Fleur. And they really don't interject. It, I mean, that's his little thing of regret. Right. Mm-hmm. I like how Fred's surprised that Voldemort has a snake because he wouldn't be very nice to his pets. And, right. Uh, well, she wasn't a very nice snake. He had her eat people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that, oh, makes, that sense. makes sense. <laughs> like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, they learn about the Deathly Hollows, then the, the invisibility cloak and everything, and they find out that the boy becomes obsessed with them. And James is like, but why? Well, I don't understand that. And Hermione explains that he thinks that if he has them, he won't die. Yeah, because he was afraid to die. Mm-hmm. And that sort of pushes James over the edge. Right. And everybody's sort of a little bit teary-eyed. Except his father. Hermione brings it on to getting captured to Malfoy Manor, and this is when Dobby actually died. Mm-hmm. And then they skip fairly quickly to breaking into Gringotts. Right. And once again, the boys are fascinated. Yep. How in the name of Merlin's fields did you Merlin? get out of there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dragon? No. <laughs> Actually, we rode out on a dragon. I love this. I can't believe you broke into Gringotts, James breathed. That's so cool. <laughs> Thank you, James. But if I hear you breaking into anything less than destroying a Horcrux, I will hunt you down myself. <laughs> and then we have a little tension breaker there. Yeah. Fred's like, did you find what you were after? And I said, yep, we found everything we needed. And we rode out on the dragon. And Charlie has to interject and say, no, dragon riding is very dangerous. Do not try this at home. Yes. It comes out alive. I'm not complaining. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer. So, Disclaimer. They tell about the boy having a vision of what Voldemort is thinking and that they know that he's after the last Horcrux and that it was inside Hogwarts. And so they operate there and set off the alarms and almost get caught. And they explain how they mm-hmm. made their way in. And, yeah, uh, and Aberforth helped them in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, in and, the movie, Jenny is going to be the one that shows them where the diadem is. Not the other way around. But hey, it's okay. You never know. It yeah. worked for the movie. Malfoy's and, evil uh, friend, Krabby, sent a horrible fire on us and the diadem was destroyed. I love Ron. Text reader too long. Crabby, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's how it reads it. My still goes Neville. Mine doesn't do Neville, but I get a lot of Crabby. We're way off course. So, anyway, so Crab dies in the fire. <laughs> and Bill notices that this must have been right about when Fred died, and it was. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. sort of skip over that. It's just mentioned, and then they head off into the Shrieking Shack and discover that Voldemort's just been sort of sitting there behind the lines, as it were. For one hour. But he still couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) He's got his magical purple maple phone. You have one hour. (laughs) I thought that was after Snape died. He did the one hour thing, and that's when Harry walked out. That was the second hour. It was the second hour. I'm going to have to reread this book again for the 20th time. Yeah, that does happen afterwards, but anyway. 
So they talk about how they got to the Shrieking Shack just in time to see the snake kill Snape. And that while he was dying, he saw the boy and gave him some of his memories. And James is like, what? And they explain about the pensives and everything. And then James says, this is it, isn't it? I don't think I want to hear any more. And Fred's white-faced. And he's like, me either. And Ron goes on with the story anyhow. Hermione and I, we didn't keep a close enough watch on him, Ron said painfully. We were distracted and he slipped away. James is like, Uncle Ron, and he hides his face in his hands. So Ginny picks it up, and then Ron takes it back again. I like how they're all taking turns talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They talk about how Voldemort tells them that he killed him while he was trying to escape, and that they all go out to see Hagrid holding the body of the boy, and that they all saw it, and James and Fred James yelled and Fred. together. No, he was supposed to defeat Voldemort. I really liked Harry's line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He married the girl he fell in love with in his sixth year and had three children. And James says, no, I guess I'd like to hear the truth, but actually that is the truth. Right. Yeah. Just later. Well, the truth is, Arthur said suddenly, the truth is that we Weasleys are famous for being heroes because we knew the boy. We loved the boy. We believed in him and we fought alongside of him. And Molly goes on to say, he represented everything we fought for. He was the reason we rallied. He was our hope. No matter that a boy as young as he should not have had to feel the weight of that on his shoulders, he was a hero in every sense of the world, and he never thought of himself in those terms. I really like how they're talking in a past tense. Mm-hmm. Like, he is mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, because at this point he's dead, as far as they right. know. And then they move back to the rest of the battle. They talk about Neville chopping the head off the snake. Then you pull the sword out of the head. Yeah, I don't remember him bursting into flames, but uh, the hat. I guess the I have to reread that scene. Yeah, because Voldemort puts oh, the hat, okay. sorting hat on his head, and the hat bursts into flames. You know what? I think that we shouldn't have glossed over what, like Jenny and Ron said. It's just because yeah. the power that Voldemort did not know. It was the power of love. Mm-hmm. It motivates everything. It's everything that he went out to meet his death is because he loved us. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, that's the... Yeah, that's the whole point. He's what spurs everything on. Anyway, Neville gets to have his true Gryffindor moment. And then there's insane amounts of fighting. Three people are dueling Bellatrix. And then in comes Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you gotta love George and then grandma went mental <laughs> Bellatrix almost killed Jenny rushed out and pushed the girls aside a minute later Bellatrix was dead and he looked thoughtful and I'm not sure what surprises me more the fact that grandma killed Bellatrix or she said a very naughty word before she killed her <laughs> <laughs> George <laughs> Yeah. That's fun. And that's something I like about this fic in general. She does very well at balancing the 
seriousness um, serious and moments with the light moments. Yeah, she's really good at that. And you could just see, you could just see her uh, Molly little red face and little kind of little loopy, kind of little hanging on Arthur a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, at that point, they had no idea that they weren't in danger from Voldemort's wrath. Now they know that he couldn't have killed them because the boy had died to share his love with all of them, that he'd save them all. But she knew pure fear because she knew that he was going to come after her next. And he's just about to shoot her with something, and then a giant's shield appears in between them, and Fred and James go through a list of who it could have been cast mm-hmm. the shield. Yeah. Was it Granddad? No. Uncle Ron or Aunt Hermione? No. It was the boy, said Harry impatiently. But the boy, but he's dead, James shouted. And Fred's like, yeah, he came back as a ghost and he could still do magic. How do you even know, Dad? Were you even there? James asked accusingly. Yeah, poor old Dad was there, said Harry sarcastically. Now listen to your aunts and uncles as they finish this story. (laughs) (laughs) He'd really only been pretending to be dead just to get a good shot. And he's wearing his invisibility cloak. And he learned a whole bunch of stuff about Snape and Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dead. And not dead. Hermione dead. interrupts him because he's not telling enough of it. Right. Because you have to tell the part where Snape's in love with the boy's mother. <laughs> Which I'm sure the Snape. two boys were yeah, really, just uh, thrilled with. Could just see them making faces. <laughs> yeah. But he explains about him being a spy, and yeah, he killed Dumbledore, but Dumbledore asked him to. He had known about Malfoy's task, he'd known it all. It was all a very vicious game of chess, and things just fell into place. Right. Somebody read Ron's line. Then they go back to the fight. I missed it. And then they each yelled one spell, Ron said. Voldemort yelled the killing curse, intending to kill the boy once and for all. And the boy yelled a disarming spell. I thought he was mental. I really did. But it worked. The killing curse rebounded on Voldemort. He couldn't kill the boy. And Hermione says, remember that Voldemort had the Elder Wand, but the boy was the true master of it. It wouldn't kill him. It couldn't kill him. And now James is looking very Mm -hmm. confused. Understandably enough. Yeah. And he says... Hell, I'm still confused and I'm 33. (laughs) (laughs) Could you just imagine what a nine-year-old would think? (laughs) Yeah. So the boy lived? James was confused. But how? Voldemort killed him in the forest. You said Hagrid saw it. Did he know the boy wasn't dead? And then Hermione explains that it goes back to the prophecy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the bits about the extra horcrux, and why he could have visions that way, and why he could speak Parseltongue. And at this point, Fred has figured it out. Yep. Because I think this was written before we knew that Harry didn't speak Parseltongue anymore. Mm-hmm. Fred knows that Harry speaks Parseltongue, and that twigs it for him. Right. So when Voldemort tried to kill the boy in the forest, he only got rid of the part of his own soul that lived in the boy. And in a way, the boy did die, but he survived because of two reasons. One is that he didn't defend himself. He went there intending to die for everyone, everyone he loved. And two, that Voldemort had anchored him to life when he took the boy's blood when he first returned to power. And James is still kind of confused. Clueless. Yeah. <laughs> but He's where a boy. is he now? How come he doesn't ever come around? Mm-hmm. And, I like that and Percy finally gets to finish his sentence. 
Yeah. The reason that I didn't let on that you weren't a Weasley was because you would have been besieged if they had known your last name. And he is so like. <laughs> huh? Mm-hmm. Wait, what? What are you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? But I think being a Potter is pretty damn cool, too. And that's when he looks at his dad and Harry pulls back the fringe and shows the scar. When Voldemort tried to kill me when I was a baby, he said quietly, he gave me the scar. Mm-hmm. Dad, he whispers, Dad, all that stuff happened to you? Yes, it did. Am I still poor old dad? <laughs> you are the, the coolest dad ever. That was amazing. Yeah. And Fred like, leaps on him. <laughs> yep. James is behind him. You're the coolest yeah. dad ever! <laughs> Yay! The end. It is a great <laughs> summary of all of the books, you know, really quickly yeah. and, and stuff like that. It is. is it's very black and white for child, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So next time you're trying to introduce the plot of all seven books before you see the last movie with somebody, link them to this fic. Yes. Yeah, perfect. I'm going to hunt down the kid that got a hold of me after the last movie came out and said, can you explain Harry Potter to me? You know, when I was had only three hours of sleep and I'm just going to send him the link. <laughs> Everything you wanted to know. That work. In a quick little yeah. thing. But yeah, I thought it was a great story. I don't know how I found it. I know that it was me that found it and put it on the list. When I started to read this fic, I thought it was going in a completely different direction. Like, I thought it was going to be more humorous and more lighthearted, but I really like where she took it. Like, I really wasn't expecting such a intimate and very heartfelt description of the entire situation from the time Harry was a baby until that night in May. I kind of expected it to be, you know, like, more funny, more... That James already knew about the past, but he didn't, he was surrounded by Weasley's kind of a thing, but I really like where this ended up. And it really was touching. It was really a great surprise when I read it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a good story. I'm glad we covered it. Yeah, I am like too. Like I said, I think she does really well at balancing the various moods in the story kind of follow the flow like with the Harry Potter books like the first two or three are more childlike and then she got more and more serious by each year it was a progression and it followed the books very well in that progression that's true they sort of had their awkward pauses before the particularly big moments at the end there well that was the fire whiskey talking Always yeah, well, fire whiskey talking. Fire whiskey unties a lot. Apparently, of this isn't the kind of fire whiskey where you breathe fire after the end. Otherwise, they would have had some trouble with their table, probably. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, yeah. Like I said, I can't remember where I found it, but I'm really glad I did. I remember listening to it the first time and thinking, "Oh yeah, we need to cover this." So I'm still trying to find the one fic I want us to do, and I can't find it. Oh. Well, when you find it. Link me. It's about Harry waiting by the fire to find out what house Albus got sorted in. I think it's on Checkmated. I checked there. I tried to do a summary, and I got absolutely nothing. I don't think it's in the summary, but I I remember that story. It's a one-shot. Yeah. Well, keep looking. We'll get it on the list if you find it. But if anybody listening recognizes that description, let us know. So, does anybody else have anything to say about this one, and we'll end it out? It was a good pick. We liked it. Enjoyed reading it. Yep. Enjoyed talking about it to you. 
If you haven't read it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, but we've probably spoiled most of it anyway. <laughs> but you should still go read it. Yes, that was good. It was really good. I liked that it. it was just a real succinct summary of all the books. And mm -hmm. I liked the way that the boys reacted to the telling of the story. It makes sense, because with it being these two, they've had a few times where some of the others were growing up to tell them. So they've got a little bit practiced at doing this summarizing thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, in that case, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.